Hello and welcome to the Talkie Indonesia podcast. I'm Dave McRae from the University of Melbourne's Asia Institute and today I'm joined by Abdillah Hassan, Deputy Head of the Demography Institute in the University of Indonesia's Faculty of Economics and we'll be discussing tobacco control in Indonesia. Smoking is a major public health issue in Indonesia with the 2011 Global Adult Tobacco Survey finding Indonesia to have one of the highest levels of smoking prevalence among countries surveyed with 36% of adults smoking, including 67% of adult males. Indonesia's tobacco industry, though, has a powerful voice within the country, and 2016 has seen spirited public debate over whether Indonesia should accede to the World Health Organization's Framework Convention on Tobacco Control, to which 180 states are parties. To kick off the podcast, though, I asked Abdillah why so many people smoke in Indonesia. I think it relates with that. Cigarette is very cheap in Indonesia and maybe it's cheaper than candy. The, some price of cigarette brand cheaper than candy. Mm. And we can buy uh, by single, by single stick. So it is affordable yeah. even by teenagers or even by kids in the school, in the kindergarten. So if the parents give the allowance like 5,000 rupiah mm. uh, a day, then the kids can, the children can buy a cigarette, two stick or three stick in a day. Beside that, the tobacco advertising, the cigarette advertising is still allowed in Indonesia. You can see the advertising in television, in radio. Yeah. Although some cities has banned the outdoor advertising, but still for newspaper, media advertising is still allowed. So maybe only in Indonesia you can see in television there is a cigarette advertising. The second factor, the, the third factor is that a cigarette is still normal in Indonesia. You can find a very high level official smoke in his office. Yeah. Even for uh, some parliamentarians, yeah. they smoke in the office. And uh, even 67% uh, adult male is smoker. Mm. Uh, it means that more people, <laughs> adult male smoke than non-smoker, so it is easy to find a smoker. Abdillah went on to explain the segmented pattern of smoking within Indonesian society. Only 4.5% of females smoke, for example, leading, he said, to more female-oriented cigarette advertising of late. Smoking is also more common among people of lower economic status, with Indonesian statistics agency data showing cigarettes to be one of the main expenditure items for poor smokers. Among the, the poor, the highest expenditure is for rice and the second one for those who smoke is for cigarettes. Yes. So the head of the statistical office said that if you want to decrease the poor, the poverty, yeah, then for poor smoker, they can stop and then reallocate the expenditure to buy rice yeah. Yeah, and then it will decrease poverty. Hmm. So cigarette smoking or cigarette consumption can have a health impact, but also an economic impact. And I can say that it is an also a poverty trap. It is also a poverty trap because when they are smoking, they spend their money to buy a cigarette. So they cannot buy another things that is uh, useful, like uh, meat, uh, egg, yeah, uh, for nutrition yeah, and for education. So compare with education, cigarette expenditure among the poor is six times higher. So many, many cases uh, we found that the parents did not send the children to the school, but at the same time, the parents smoke. 
So this is the, the opportunity loss. The health impacts of Indonesia's high smoking prevalence are clear. Abdillah explained that Indonesia's basic health surveys show an increase in smoking-related diseases such as heart attacks and stroke. Now that in Indonesia, it's still increasing. Yeah. Yeah, the prevalence increasing, the smoking-related diseases also increasing. Mm. And as you know, the disease from uh, cigarette-related or smoking-related is not cheap. Yeah. yeah, although all disease is not good, yeah, mm. but uh, disease related with cigarette is not cheap, and this disease can can result as uh, disability. Smoker who get stroke, yeah, and then after that, uh, he's a disabled. And as you know, uh, Indonesia right now experience the demographic uh, bonus, yeah. yeah, where. The majority of the population is the productive ages, and it will uh, reach the the peak, the lowest dependency ratio in 2025. Mm. And we are hoping that in 2025 and 2030, mm -hmm. yeah, we experience the windows of opportunity, and mm. we can we can use this opportunity to push the economic growth and to push the welfare. But if the if recent population, recent productive population, or even younger, mm -hmm. even a student, mm -hmm. they smoke, and then when they enter the the working age, they they have the accumulative uh, disease inside them. So this is not a demographic bonus, but maybe it can be a demographic disaster. Where Abdullah thus far outlines two problems: the health impacts of smoking could turn Indonesia's demographic bonus into a demographic disaster. And among the poor, smoking becomes a poverty trap because you're spending your money on smoking rather than food or educating children. Supporters of the tobacco industry would say that it is an industry that employs around 6 million Indonesians, and so on and so forth. I asked Abdullah how he would weigh up the negative impacts that he highlights against the arguments that pro-tobacco people make. So let's talk about the tobacco industry in Indonesia. Yeah. Uh, tobacco industry in Indonesia, their contribution to the economy is not high. We found from the data from the statistical office, their contribution is only 2% uh, in 1995. And in 2005, uh, it is decreasing until 1.5%. Only 1.5%. Cigarette industry and tobacco farming. So their contribution to the economy is small and decreasing. Yeah, They are decreasing because other sectors are increasing. The second thing is that Tobacco industry and tobacco farming in Indonesia only concentrated in three provinces, East Java, Central Java, and West Nusa Tenggara. The other province, we have 35 provinces. So 32 provinces, more or less, that don't rely on tobacco and cigarette at all. Yeah. Uh, let's say in, in Kalimantan, they don't have a tobacco farming, they don't have cigarette industry, so they only get the negative impact, uh, the negative side of tobacco. And regarding the numbers of employment, yeah, we have to be very careful because some many times the industry uh, explodes the number. If we if we looking at the, the statistical office number, the number of workers in cigarette industry, the direct employment is around three hundred thousand, and while the number of uh, farmers is around 600,000. 
So it's only not it's only it's this number. Yeah, they are not number. They are the person. Okay, we agree about that. But the number is not that high, and our dependency to the uh, cigarette industry is not that much. Abdullah then addressed another argument advanced by tobacco industry supporters that the industry is a major contributor of government revenue. Regarding the the tobacco excise revenue, they all always say that the revenue is very high. Yeah, if you look at the number, the revenue is around 139 trillion rupiah. 139 trillion rupiah is around 14 billion Australian dollars. And the percentage is around 9 or 10 percent from the total uh, domestic revenue. But we have to be careful that the tobacco excise in Indonesia is only contain only two, two goods, uh, cigarette or tobacco product and alcoholic beverage. Alcoholic beverage is very low. Yeah. So 95% of the revenue, of, the, of excise revenue, came from tobacco. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Because there's only two to, uh, excise goods. And uh, if we compare with other tax, yeah, uh, let's say for uh, income tax, yeah, uh, excise is always lower than ex uh, income tax. Rather than viewing tobacco excise in terms of its contribution to government coffers, Abdullah argues that Indonesia's unusual pattern of cigarette consumption provides an opportunity to use excise for tobacco control. So there's an anomaly in Indonesia. Uh, usually, the people will smoke cheaper cigarette. Yeah, but in Indonesia, the expensive cigarette is uh, smoked by uh, almost all of the, of the smokers. Yeah, 80 or 90 percent smokers smoke the expensive one. It means that even the most expensive cigarette is still affordable. And from my research, we, we have conducted 2,000 smoker survey and we reveal that the price that will decrease the consumption is around 25,000 per pack rupiah. But this is the, the survey in 2010. We are in 2016 now. And then the, the more recent one in 2014, we make a focus group discussion, several focus group discussion, and the price that will reduce the consumption is 50,000 rupiah. And you know that our recent price of cigarette is around 15,000. Uh, even there are 8,000 rupiah, even we can buy by stick, so it is still more for, uh, still very affordable. In setting out the affordability of cigarettes, to put it in Australian dollar terms, cheaper cigarettes cost less than a dollar a packet and more expensive cigarettes around a dollar fifty. Abdullah is obviously highlighting the potential for the government to use excise to raise prices to restrict consumption. Indonesia's legal framework is clear on what the government's stance on tobacco control should be, Abdullah said. In the excise law, it is stated that excise uh, is to decrease consumption. Yeah. So the main duty of excise is to decrease consumption not to increase government revenue. Yeah? And then in the health law, it is stated that tobacco is uh, addictive. Yeah? Because it's addictive, it has to be controlled. And then we have uh, government regulation, government regulation number 109 in 2012. Yeah? Uh, it is stated that there is a pictorial health warning. Yeah? So if we want to see our constitution from the, the highest one, the, the preamble, yeah. it, uh, there is a yeah, right of health, 
in the excise law, in the health law, in the government regulation, all support the tobacco control. So all part of the government should support tobacco control. But in reality, uh, there is a split, maybe, yeah? there's a split uh, decision uh, or split support from the government. If we are talking to the Ministry of Health, Ministry of Education, Ministry of Children and Women, yeah, maybe they are supporting tobacco control. But when we go to Ministry of Industry, Ministry of Farming, yeah, Agriculture, Ministry of Agriculture, Ministry of Finance, Ministry of Labor, they all support tobacco industry. I think this is not ideal. This situation has been there maybe for the whole time, yeah, for the whole time. So, yeah, and how about Jokowi stands now? Yeah. I think yeah, we have high hope to Jokowi because maybe from my observation, Jokowi is very family man. So he put high to the family value. Yeah. He want to protect the children uh, from smoking. And the recent update is that Jokowi has set up a meeting with a limited limited minister about framework convention on tobacco control. Yeah. Yeah. Indonesia is the only country in Asia that has not ratified the FCTC. You're mentioning Jokowi's stance will be crucial because of this divide within the government. Is he one of the 67% of Indonesian males who smoke? I don't think so. As long as no, he doesn't smoke. He doesn't smoke. And that the main thing is not whether you smoke or not. Yeah. Whether you support tobacco control or not. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so many Indonesian uh, policymakers that they, they if we ask them or we we, we have a conversation to them mm. uh, with them and then they said I don't smoke. Mm. Yeah. But the policy that he has signed is pro tobacco industry. Tobacco industry is very big in Indonesia. The richest one is the from the tobacco industry. Returning to that extraordinary figure of 9 to 10% of Indonesian government revenue coming from tobacco excise, I asked Abdillah how high he would recommend the government put this excise. He explained that there were two issues, the need to simplify an excise system that currently has many different tiers of tariffs, as well as the need to set prices at a level that would act as a disincentive to smoking. Uh, in Indonesian bureaucracy, there is a slogan over there that if you can make it simpler, why don't you make it more complicated? Because in the complication, yeah, there is a loophole. This complicated tobacco excise system will benefit some of the producer and will push or will be harden the other producer. Yeah. And while the, the objective of tobacco excise is to decrease consumption, but the government put another objective like to increase government revenue and like to protect domestic industry, like to protect the employment. So many things put it in the tobacco exercise and it result complication, complicated. Yeah. So we want, we ask the government, we support the government to simplify mm. the tobacco exercise tariff. Yeah. yeah, maybe let's say for simple, the ideal one is one tariff for all. Yeah, one tariff, uh, let's say 2,000 rupiah per stick, so that the, the cheaper cigarette will be at least 2,000 rupiah. In political terms, looking at another item that many Indonesians use, petrol, 
Putting up petrol prices to reduce government subsidies has been extremely difficult. Would the government also cop a lot of political flack if it substantially increased the price of cigarettes? I asked. So in the last year, um, the Ministry of Finance went to the parliamentarians. They shared their plan that they will increase the tobacco excise revenue target by 23%. So if they increase the target to by 23%, then it will imply that the tobacco excise tariff will increase 23%. Yeah? And then the response from the parliament, they want the government to decrease the tobacco excise revenue target. So when this time of very difficult economy, our economic growth is slowing down, yeah, the government need more revenue, and then the government propose that we should uh, increase the tobacco price by uh, increasing the tariff, and then the parliament said, no, 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 no. Yeah. You should decrease your target from the tobacco excise revenue. Yeah. It is very awkward. Hmm. Yeah, it, it must be something. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then and the government, after discussion, they increase only 11% at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So the parliament has been aware. Yeah. Uh, in, the, in the past, the, the parliament has not that aware. So when the, the Ministry of Finance increased the tobacco excise, there is not much protest or there's not much uh, refusion from the parliament. But nowadays, the parliament is, is very aware about yeah. the tobacco uh, excise uh, increase. Given that even a 23% tobacco excise increase proved too controversial, I asked Abdilla what could motivate the government to make the sort of massive increases to excise, perhaps double or triple or more, that would get the price of cigarettes to a level that would reduce consumption. I think it's too much yeah. mm. if we, we expect the government mm. to increase the excise double but uh, at least like, yeah? because indonesian is very very humble yeah? they, they they said uh, at least at least we want to protect the children we want to protect the poor from smoking so what we want is to increase the price of cheap cigarette so that the children cannot afford and at the same time we want uh, the government to ban cigarette advertising yeah. So we want to protect the children. Uh, we, we just want to make sure that the children cannot afford to buy a cigarette. That's all. Turning now to the Framework Convention on Tobacco Control, which has become a matter of public debate in the Indonesian media this year as to whether or not Indonesia should ratify, President Jokowi himself, in a cabinet meeting in mid-June, came out with a statement that Indonesia should not just follow the 180 countries who have become parties to the treaty and should make its own decision. To Abdullah, though, the nature of the choice facing the government is clear. The Framework Convention on Tobacco Control is the WHO uh, convention. Mm. And yeah, it is to show that the government mm. uh, committed to protect the public health uh, from the tobacco industry. Mm. So the government has to choose whether they protect the, the health of the nation or they protect the health of the industry. Mm. Just as simple as that. And this is like uh, what Indonesian want to, to be known in the international uh, level. If you ratify this convention, then what implications does that have for tobacco control within your country? The, the FCTC co consists of uh, several measures. 
yeah, several policy like uh, tobacco price, mm. tobacco taxation, uh, cigarette at ban, yeah, and then uh, smoke free area cessation. Yeah, but how the country implement the measure is depend on the country itself. So when the government ratify right now, if the parliament, if the government has has not followed by changing in the in the policy, then there's nothing nothing happen. Right. Yeah. So at least if the government ratified, they committed and they want to show the world that the government of Indonesia protect the protect the public health. And the other uh, supporting arguments that protecting uh, public health it's also supporting economic growth because healthy people is more beneficial for the economy than the sick people so uh, we have to put it in the right way yeah we don't want uh, unhealthy economic growth by depending on tobacco industry or by supporting by giving them incentive to grow Beyond this overall argument of healthy economic growth, Abdullah said, the growth of Indonesia's tobacco industry also has an unfair redistributive effect in making its owners some of Indonesia's richest people at the expense of poor provinces like East Nusa Tenggara, which has one of the highest smoking prevalences in the country. Effective measures to control the tobacco industry, though, would require creating new job pathways for those employed in the industry at present. Yeah. At the same time, we have also to take care of the workers yeah. Yeah, by using the money from the tobacco excise revenue. Uh, as you know, we have tobacco local local cigarette tax mm. and tobacco excise uh, tax. Yeah? yeah, and local cigarette tax fifty percent is for health, but yeah. the other the, the other fifty percent can be used to support the workers in mm. tobacco industry. Mm. Yeah, that is impacted by the, the policy, the tobacco control policy. Some of the arguments against ratifying the framework convention have been pretty outlandish. Indonesian military commander General Gatot Nomantio described the FCTC as part of what he calls a proxy war, in which foreign countries use third parties to indirectly weaken Indonesia rather than attacking it directly. Abdullah sought to turn the tables on this argument. I can do the counter-argument. Yeah. Mm. The tobacco industry also owned by the foreign, by the multinational one. Yeah. Yeah. They are all capitalists. Yeah. They want to get our money to bring out of the nation. Yeah. I think that is more security threat than the ratification of the FCTC. Almost, almost 50% of the market share owned by the multinational one. Or by Philip Morris, British American tobacco. Yeah. If you talk about nationalism, yeah, nationalism is to protect our citizen, not to put our people and give it to the tobacco industry, multinational tobacco industry. So yeah, I think the proxy war argument is for them, not for tobacco control. For the tobacco industry. It's for the tobacco exactly. industry, yeah. sure. A more mainstream objection to ratifying the FCTC is provided by Hikmahanto Yuana, an international law professor at the University of Indonesia, who argues that the treaty reflects the interests of tobacco-consuming countries and that Indonesia could end up trapped into importing tobacco if it can't control its consumption but reduces production. Again, Abdullah saw things differently. 
our recent condition that tobacco import is increasing very high. The tobacco import in increased after Philip Morris bought Sampurna. Yeah, the import very high, the tobacco of uh, leaf import very high. So it, uh, it already happened. Tobacco import increases already happened. Responding to Hikmahanto's second argument, that the FCTC reflected the interests of tobacco-consuming countries rather than producers like Indonesia, Abdillah said this was actually a reason to ratify, saying Indonesia had the same interest in the FCTC as it did in joining the World Trade Organization, namely to gain a say in protecting its national interests. Right now, Indonesia cannot influence what happened inside the FCTC because we haven't ratified. So if in the future, yeah, the national tobacco industry, let's say they will lose in the competition with the multinational one. Yeah, they cannot complain. You are not in the FCTC. Why you are complaining? So FCTC is not benefiting only in the tobacco control and health, but also it is contributing also the tobacco industry sector because they can speak up. They can influence the process. I know it's not ideal. Uh, as long as I know that the delegation from China, the other country from Brazil, yeah, they are not all the health activists. Maybe more than half also representing the industry, the industry in the rest. So if Indonesia is not in this FCTC, uh, Indonesian tobacco industry cannot influence the process. Moving beyond the framework convention now, another measure that Indonesia is currently considering to regulate tobacco is a draft tobacco law. The health minister opposes this draft law and Abdullah depicted the draft bill as intended to protect tobacco farming and in fact to reduce tobacco control. The Ministry of Health is opposing the tobacco law because it will put out the tobacco control. So if the tobacco law is passed, then the graphic health warning will be replaced by again the tax health okay. warning. And then the excise revenue Recently, the tobacco excise revenue can be used for campaign of the negative impact of the cigarette. But if this law is passed, then this revenue uh, only used for the industry, only used for the workers. Finally, I asked Abdillah what he saw as the prospects for cigarette consumption and production over the remaining three to three and a half years of President Jokowi's term. Whether there are prospects for consumption and production to decrease, or whether realistically they're going to continue to increase for some time to come. So if you ask that to the Ministry of Finance people or the Excise Department, they will say that the cigarette production has decreasing slightly. And they will say this is because of the increasing excise tariff. Yeah. But if you ask me, yeah, that is because of the slowdown of the economy. The slowdown of the economy and then uh, the people reduced cigarette uh, expenditure. But when the economy going up again, uh, cigarette consumption will, will be rise again. Unless, uh, unless we increase the price of cigarette higher than the increase in inflation and the economic growth. But for the, with the rest of the, with the rest of uh, Jokowi term, yeah, I think we, we have to, to focus on two things. The FCTC and the tobacco bill. Yeah, yeah the FCTC and the tobacco bill. For the tobacco bill, I think the politician will make it longer in the discussion and they will execute this, yeah, maybe by voting 
in the final years in the in the election years in the 2019 yeah because they they still need the industry to be around them yeah <laughs> to be around them <laughs> regarding the fctc yeah i think although jokowi is strong enough but when dealing with the party behind behind him he is not that strong but i think fctc it will be a miracle if jokowi ratified the fctc Okay. Yeah, it's really good. On that note, uh, Pat Abdullah, uh, there's so much more I'd love to ask you, but I'm afraid we're well and truly out of time. Thanks so much for taking the time okay. to speak to us today. It's been great. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. That was Abdullah Assam, Deputy Head of the Demography Institute in the Faculty of Economics at the University of Indonesia. Please do take the time to rate or review Talking Indonesia on iTunes, or leave us feedback via the comments section at the Indonesia at Melbourne blog where you can also access the entire archive. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe via your pick of podcasting apps. My co-host Dr. Ken Setiawan will be back with the next episode of Talking Indonesia on the 11th of August. Until then, this has been the Talking Indonesia podcast. Bye for now.